We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody out there. You are not listening to Jonathan Macri, nor are you listening to Andrew Claudio, nor are you listening to Sean with the W. This is none other than your boy Mensa Smith here with Sean with the W and my boy XJ. We are the casual crew down one person, but that's because he is um, sick with a virus that he can get over, but it will happen soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, we are here to bring you guys casual Friday with takes hotter than the Miami heat who aren't that hot, but that's another story for another day. Uh, XJ, how are the vibes, my friend? I mean, the vibes are, uh, the vibes are a little confused. I would say, um, you know, I have mixed emotions right now. I'm sure many Knicks fans have mixed emotions right now. Um, but I'm still optimistic. I'm still Feeling good. So, you know, coming off the big win against Miami, I mean, you can't downplay that enough. One of the biggest wins of the season, one of the biggest wins of the decade, uh, you know, hard to understate it. So still feeling good about that. Still feeling good about the potential for the future to put a word to the vibes. Uh, it's gotta be conflicted. It's gotta be, it's gotta be good, but conflicted. Okay, that's a great answer. Um, I agree. It's, you know, we did with the tough news with uh, Julius Randle being out for two weeks, but we'll get into that in a second. So, Sean, how about you? How are the vibes, my friend? I would say the vibes are rebounding um, because the vibes were low um, after our little three-game losing streak. But even during that three-game losing streak, we actually managed to gain ground on the teams behind us. So... And now they were up last night. We're recording this on um, Thursday evening after we beat Miami. And now they've come down again with the news that Julius Randle will be out for at least two weeks with the, with the ankle sprain. So, and, you know, there was a lot of, since the last time we had a podcast, there was a lot of downtime. And you know what happens when there's a lot of downtime between Knicks games? People need to fill that downtime with all types of poppycock foolishness and other types of junk. But I would say the vibes are rebounding and they are still rebounding up despite the news that we learned about, you know, a half hour ago. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Uh, rebounding and conflicted. For me, the vibes are... Wow, that's a good question, man. So how are the vibes? I'm looking for a good answer. <laughs> uh, what is the answer to, to my own question? You, you stumped yourself. <laughs> the vibes stumped me. I don't know. There we go. The vibes are confusing. That's a good answer. Um, yeah, it's tough. We are, you know, personally, I think that we've won games without basically everybody in the starting lineup. This is Julius Randle's first time leaving the starting lineup. I think Quentin Grimes may have played every game. Correct me if I'm wrong. But like the main characters of this Knicks team so far, um, except for Emmanuel Quickly, who I also think Pless played in every game. Jalen Brunson, we've been able to sustain some wins without him. R.J. Barrett, we've been able to sustain some wins without him. Mitchell Robinson, who at the time was the linchpin of our defense, we were able to sustain some wins without him. I don't under, I don't see why it should be any different for Julius Randle. And I'm not using the Julius Randle injury as an excuse for the Knicks to drop two of the next three or three of the next five. Like there's no excuse for it. The job remains the same. And if we want to if as if, if as a fan base and as a team, we want to say that we have the deepest team in basketball, which I firmly believe, then this Julius Randle injury shouldn't stop a thing. We have a really tough matchup uh, today, the day you guys are listening to this, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll see what these guys are made of, but I'm I'm confident that the Knicks aren't going to roll over for anybody. Josh Hart is still playing. Emmanuel Quickly is still playing. Quentin Grimes is still playing. Jalen Brunson is playing. Um, I don't know how healthy he is, but he's playing. We got um, Hartenstein, um, Mitchell Robinson. Deuce McBride, this team, Obi Toppin, this team has the guns to shoot with anybody, even if we're missing one guy. Two and three is a little different, but without Julius Randle, we should still be able to move forward. And there's one player that I left out of the guns that we have. And I think that's just is a good transition to our first topic. Today, we're not doing boxing one. We're doing the triangle offense. And if the triangle offense still offends you, uh, first thing, that was six years ago. Second, the triangle offense wasn't the problem. It was the person who thought the triangle would solve world, world hunger, who was the problem. So we're going to go with the good old triangle offense. And for me, we're going to start off with the, the RJ Barrett conversation, friends. I am known as Nick's Film School's preeminent R.J. Barrett supporter, and I am not afraid of that. I think R.J. Barrett deserves our support because he wears um, a jersey that says New York on the front of it, and he plays for our basketball team, so that's important. However, if we want to talk about R.J. Barrett, let's get some things out of the way. R.J. Barrett, of the nine guys in the rotation right now, over the course of this season has been the least impactful over the course of the season. He's had higher highs than some guys and he's definitely had lower lows than some guys. But right now he is the least impactful basketball player in the rotation, especially in the starting lineup. I don't think that's arguable if you like numbers or if you like advanced numbers, if you like counting numbers, okay, he's scoring 20 and 19, all, all good things. Don't get me wrong. The defense has not been there all year, has not been there. That's another thing, inexcusable. This guy was picked third overall in 2019 behind Zion Williamson, perennial All-NBA candidate when he's healthy, and John Morant, perennial All-NBA candidate, even when he's a little nicked up. R.J. Barrett, that was the standard, 
and he was the the number one recruit coming out of high school. He has underwhelmed in his NBA career relative to expectations. That is very fair. However, when R.J. Barrett misses a jump shot, the economy is not crashing. When R.J. Barrett turns the ball over, climate change is <laughs> the climate is not getting any hotter. When R.J. Barrett misses a defensive assignment, that is not evidence that he was present on January 6th. We need, as a fan base, to come to grips with the reality that the conversation has shifted way too far in the wrong direction. I am not, I don't believe in hives in general, but for me at first, I first started noticing this about three months ago, whenever like anything RJ Barrett did, you would see tweets bad about it. And then a lot of it, this is like right before I would say like three months ago, right before the conversation got really, really toxic about RJ, you would see tweets about it. People would get on podcasts and talk about it. And there would still be like, I feel like the fan base at that point was more like 60, 40, still in favor of RJ Barrett because we had just seen him. If we're talking three months ago, we had just seen him put together some really good games. However, now when RJ Barrett does things, it's just like, it doesn't matter if he misses a layup, we're not losing points. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, it's gotten to a place where we cannot have an objective conversation about RJ Barrett because everybody's feelings are in the way. We, it's like, okay, if RJ Barrett were an effective basketball player this season, if he was playing well, if he had a positive warp, positive BPM, positive win shares, whatever um, EPM, whatever your um, advanced stat du jour is, if he had a positive one of those, then yes, the New York Knicks would likely be in contention for the third seed because we're losing a lot with RJ Barrett this year. But this, the way the conversation has shifted, and I get it's been four years, don't get me wrong. This is still a 22-year-old basketball player. That's the first thing. The second thing is he has improved in his most, to me, important skill, which is driving to the basket and finishing. His two-point percentage is almost around, it's around 50% this year. The issue is with the three-point volume. He needs to get rid of that, amongst other things, as far as the scoring goes. We're just talking about the scoring here. He's the third option for maybe the first time in his life. Let's let let's talk about that. You see what's going on in Trey Young? Well, I'm sorry, in Atlanta with Trey Young having to share the ball for the first time in his life and how that team is struggling. It's hard for guys to adjust, even if we have expectations that they should be this and they should be that. Adjusting requires an adjustment, period. And I get we've been patient. We've been waiting for him to turn the corner. He hasn't turned the corner. He's been giving us the glimpses and it's the consistency that is the issue. I don't mind that. I don't mind having discussions about R.J. Barrett when it comes to rational thinking. When we have to go on rants, when we have to disparage him, when we have to make troll accounts to talk about R.J. Barrett and, and pull up old tweets and all kind of craziness about a basketball player who, honestly, if he if he hits, if R.J. Barrett hits, you're talking about a two way wing in the NBA with a high school, with a high usage. If you look at the history of basketball. Show me the team with the best two-way wing with a high usage, and I'll show you a contender every single year. He plays the most valuable position in basketball. It takes time for guys like him to get it going. He may never hit. That's the reality at this point. We have to face that reality that he may never be a good basketball player because over four years, he's been inconsistent. He hasn't ever been good. He's shown us highs. He's shown us lows. 
but it, but when we get to the place when the when we're have when we're saying some of the things people are saying, it's like I don't know how I really don't know how to how to put it. But here's what I would say: if you root for the New York Knicks, try not to say things that in a year you will have to say. I was too hard on him. I was this. I was that. Because you're losing the essence of fanhood. I understand we want our team to do well. And when we see a guy who is getting in the way of that, it sucks. I hated Alfred Payton. Julius Randle last year. Oh, my goodness. He upset me so much. RJ Barrett, his mentality, what he means to this team, what he wants to be here. The fact that he's never been a, that he's never been a locker room kid. Like all of those things, all the positives shouldn't it shouldn't outweigh the negatives but it should keep people from every time he misses a jump shot every time he makes a mistake for jumping on his back i think at this point the conversation for some people has gotten childish and as fans we need to grow up a little bit that was a lot um i'll say this um the tweet that i have pinned to my twitter profile is um three words <clears throat> and it's happiness equals reality minus expectations and it's the symbols so i know he's like that's five words like no it's three words you know equal sign to minus sign. happiness equals reality minus expectations and you know when you're the third pick in a draft you have expectations and it doesn't help when the two people in front of you um when they're playing look like you know all world players keyword when they're playing you know um during halftime of during halftime last night, uh, during the halftime Zoom that John hosts, uh, there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, I don't want to say vitriol, but a lot, a lot of anger um, or disappointment. That's a better word. Disappointment to RJ because he was all of eight from the field in the first half. And I actually have his shot charted from last night. And like in the first quarter, he took five shots. Uh, four of them were in the paint, like missed floating, missed floater, missed finger roll, missed four point shot and missed and another missed floater. And I said in the and I said in the meeting, I said it in the meeting, I said in the Zoom yesterday, like RJ's mistakes misses whatever you want to call them are as visually unappealing as they are in the league i want to give a shout out to danny gardner because danny gardner came in and he's 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 like you he's an rj i mean i'm an rj supporter too but like you know he's 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 he he takes the bat for rj mostly when you know he's catching hell and he said what you said it's like you know we can't like it's one thing you want to get mad at RJ for missing an assignment. Yes. You want to get mad at RJ for getting blown by. Yes. You want to get mad at RJ for missing for, for you know, like losing track of Jimmy freaking Butler. Fine. We can't get this. We can't get all bent out of shape because he misses shots because everybody misses shots. Jalen Brunson misses shots. Julius Randle misses shots. Uh, Quentin Grimes misses shots. Deuce McBride misses shots. Everyone misses shots. So if his process is good and he misses shots, like we cannot, like to Mensa's point, we cannot act like, you know, he cannot act like he stole the Constitution, ran off with it. Um, the discourse has gotten 
out of control. But, you know, unfortunately, in the, in the age of social media and like I said earlier in the in the vibe check, like. You know, when you have downtime, you got to fill with something. Uh, and like a friend of mine said for years, he said this for years, the 24 hour news cycle demands fake news. So you got to come up with something. And now we have people coming with everything. And it's it's it's. And yes, I understand he's a third pick in the draft. Yes, I understand this is year four. Yes, I understand he got paid. But, you know, when I was a kid and you watch and, and kids got drafted, kids got like your peak is at 27. That's your prime. And guess what? Most kids got drafted at 21, 22, 23. So in four years in, they hit their prime. Guess what happens when you get drafted 19? You got eight years to get there. And when the guys like Ja hit, that's the exception, not the rule. Now, granted, this team, every team, every every situation is different, but we have to like we have to listen. If we can give Julius Randle grace for telling us to shut the you know what up, and those are his exact words, and he's a grown man, he's 28 years old. We can and this it's frustrating, it's frustrating, it's frustrating. Like the consistency, like we would love the consistency, but we gotta we got to relax a little bit. Just relax. So I, I put up a poll recently the other day on Twitter um, asking fans who would want to, who would they want to move this off season? If they had to choose between Grimes, RJ, Hart, and quickly. Some of the feedback I got was like, dude, you're just putting this up to get people to roast RJ. <laughs> like, okay, obviously these people don't know me at all. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, you know, people do not know who XJ is if they think like, that's what he's doing. Yeah, I appreciate that because that's, I'm just, that's what I had in my head. Um, but then other people were like, hey man, like, like kind of whispering, like, hey man, don't post this, you know, this is just going to result in people just like roasting RJ, you know? And, and I think it's true. But it's just like, we're at the point with RJ where people feel like I can't post a question that I am personally very interested in for a number of reasons that, you know, is a, a tangential to this. So I won't get into it, but we got to be super hush. We got to be super hush about saying RJ because invoking his name will simply lead to hundreds of fans flocking in slim, simply to shit on him. Like, so I can't have a question about that includes the name RJ Barrett. <laughs> like, I don't expect fans to be level-headed and like hyper-rational. None of us are. I'm not, you know? Um, but with the, with RJ, it's like things are on another level. Like, I, I, I totally agree with Sean. RJ is truly a victim of expectations. Um, you know, when you get your hopes up about something or someone and you feel disappointed, you feel like you lost something. I, I think that's a, that's a thing that people experience. It feels like a loss. Um, And there's a concept in behavioral science called uh, loss aversion, which basically says we feel more negative about a loss than we feel positive about a gain. So it's like, I think it's just really painful to people who have already written RJ off as like the possibility of becoming a really good either role player, a really good starter, or, you know, like that third guy that on a championship team, if people have written him off for any of those levels, they, they, they feel like they lost something. And if RJ doesn't pan out, we'll, lark, we'll likely feel worse about that than we feel good about something like quickly providing top five pick value at the 25th overall pick. Um, and I think that that's a function of human nature to some extent. 
And it just, everything obviously gets exacerbated on social media. Um, and people just feel like they can let all their frustrations out. And so like, I, I understand it to the extent that it, it like feels like it feels like it makes sense um, from a human nature standpoint, but do I understand it from the standpoint of like, we should be doing this. We should condone it. Like it's, it, it makes sense from a fan standpoint or from a Knicks fan standpoint. No, not at all. Like, so yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's extremely frustrating. I I'm an RJ fan. I, I, I think that um, I was tweeting or Frank Barrett tweeted this the other day. Um, we should all be RJ fans. Like we're, we're all Knicks fans. We should all be RJ fans. Like the, there's nobody who should be hating RJ Barrett because he is not the player you thought he would be when he was drafted number third overall. Like, first of all, give him time. He still needs more time. Second of all, you know, we don't know what his ceiling is going to be. And third of all, like, even if he's not going to be that guy or he doesn't end up being that guy, it doesn't require this level of vitriol and hostility. Um, it's just excessive. So yeah, I, 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 I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about it besides it's just, it's just excessive. Yeah. Excessive is the word. And, uh, as we lost Sean for a second, hopefully he gets pulled back up soon. Um, the thing that bothers me most about it is it's almost like RJ Barrett has become like a distraction for other fans. I mean, for fans and we're not focusing on all the ills of the other players, like on the, um, on the playback last night, XJ, you were right there with me. Jalen Brunson (laughs) was the most traffic Coney he has ever been in his life. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Early in the the, the game. Yeah. Everybody hold on one second for me as I, troubleshoot my light here. Let's just... Yeah, but just to your point, I mean, yeah, Jalen Brunson early in the game was looking like a traffic code. I don't know if it was just from rust or whatever. There was that one. I don't know if it was Hero or who it was, but just like completely dusted him. It was Victor Oladipo. Oladipo, that's who it was. Turned him around. It was embarrassing. And I get it. Like, listen, I understand that this happens because, you know, he's coming back from an injury, but that kind of grace, and you can argue that maybe RJ Barrett has not earned the grace that a guy like Jalen Brunson has earned. But if you're paying attention to Jalen Brunson throughout the series, throughout the season, he has not been good on defense. <laughs> like he has it. And we're not talking about it. And we'll, we'll get into some of these things um, later on as it comes to like um, playoff concerns. But when he makes a bad play, crickets. When Julius Randle makes a bad play, you might hear a little groans from all the all the um, residual angst that Julius Randle has earned over four seasons. Anybody else makes a bad Quentin Grimes is taking heat checks. Quentin Grimes is taking heat checks. <laughs> like, look, I get it. I understand. He was he's been great recently. He has not earned heat checks. Let's be very clear about that. Everybody on the court makes mistakes. That's my point. But if RJ Barrett does something. <laughs> That is a regular basketball occurrence. It, 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 oh man, it gets to be, it got, it's, it's gotten frustrating for me and it's only frustrating because it's been hypocritical. I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been really tough to, to see how this fan base has turned on him. And I don't want to get into like some of the easy narratives, like, oh, this is why you can't rebuild in New York because in fairness, RJ Barrett has had four years. 
I'm not, you know, like I, I get it. I understand it. And I'm not saying, and I want to be very clear about this. I'm not saying that it is wrong to be frustrated with RJ. I am not saying that it is wrong to be upset. I am not saying that RJ Barrett has not earned his fair share of criticism. I'm saying if you reacted to RJ Barrett missing a layup, the same way you reacted when you found out what was happening at the Capitol, when Donald Trump told him people to go down there and show their strength, you <laughs> might need you, you might need to like, I don't know, go outside, touch some grass, stretch, relax. go talk to your family, relax, a whole bunch of things. And like let's let's just let's just have let I would all conversations we can have, whatever. But when it comes to our fanhood, let's remember that we're fans. That's as far as I would go with it. And I'll say this. I'm tired of people saying like, well, fan is sort of fanatic. Like, yes, I understand that. However, there's this has to be something very even keeled. Like you can still be even keeled. You don't have to go hundred miles an hour. As we say in New York, please just keep the same energy. Um, you know, like RJ Barrett, like, listen, he is, he has been the number two scorer for a playoff team at age 20. And he's the number three scorer for the fifth seed at age 22. Um, and, and, and he, and you know something, he plays every game if he's available, unless, unless it's crazy stuff like, oh, I don't know, the head coach leaving him in, um, at a 20 point blowout to roll his ankle or Luka Doncic deciding to like chop his finger off or things like that. He plays, he play, he's there every single game because he is not somebody who really requires load management. Segue into our next topic. And I'm going to let, I think uh, XJ should lead this, should lead this discussion. Um, I appreciate that segue. And I'm very excited to talk about this topic. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this topic. Hopefully they will hear me out. They will hear us out as we always have very productive discussions on casual Fridays. Um, I want to talk about load management. I know it's very scary four syllables. Let's get this out of the way first. I'm not bringing this up because Randall got hurt yesterday and I I believe his injury was due to load management. That's not why I'm bringing this up. Are you sure? (laughs) As far as I am aware of my own thoughts, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I do believe, I do believe that Randall's resistance to load management and the Knicks resistance as an organization or franchise, uh, general resistance to load management is not the ideal approach. Um, in the modern era of basketball, if, if this is very important, if your primary goal is to have postseason success. So I looked, um, there's a, a great Twitter uh, page and they also have a website called man games lost NBA. Um, and I looked and the Knicks recently had the second least number of games missed by injured players. Second only to Sacramento. So you might say, Oh, you know, this is great. They've been healthy all season. However, let's take a step back and consider the point of load management. So the goal of load management is to give teams the best chance to have their players at optimal health in the games that matter the most across the span of time that they play for the team. So I don't think there's actually a public, any publicly available empirical data that provides like strong evidence for the idea that resting a player will reduce his chance of injury. So, so I, I'm, I'm clear on that. I don't think that that, that data exists publicly. And I also know there aren't really reliable like that we know of benchmarks that say like 
hey, Quinn Grimes hit, has hit his threshold on these three benchmarks. We should sit him because he's at greater risk for injury. Like we're not that precise right now with the science, um, at least publicly. But, but it would just be really difficult to study that and get concrete evidence given all there's like all these confounding variables involved. At the same time, many sports scientists believe that some of the trends and anecdotal evidence that we've seen is strong enough to do these like load management programs or practices, whatever you want to call them. And even if you don't believe that, if you don't believe the sports scientists who believe in this, what we do know is that decreasing on-court time decreases the probability that a player sustains an injury. So that means a player who plays in like 60 games has fewer opportunities to get injured than a player who plays in 82 games. That's just deductively true. Like we don't need research to confirm that. That's just true. Um, and another thing I want to say is that we all know the Stan Van Gundy tweet where he says, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me, but he says like the nineties, they didn't load manage, but now that team's value rest over practice, like, you know, injuries and missed games are all up. So that means that it's not working. I think a lot of people agreed with that, but you can't accurately really like draw conclusions like that. Cause there's just, like I said, there's too many variables involved and I could give a ton of like, reasons why injuries would be up despite load management actually working. Um, I won't for the sake of time, but the point is that uh, were it not for resting players, it's possible. And I would argue likely that injuries would be up even more. So at the very least, what I want to say is that, you know, the Knicks are going to go into the postseason with Brunson, probably a little banged up Randall, not there um, to start. And does that mean they've been taking the wrong approach to load management? For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about game time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app, and I see all the events coming up in the area, whether it be the Knicks home game against the Miami Heat on Wednesday or home opener tickets for the Mets and Yankees, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right, and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. 
Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. GameTime is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. And for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So I have, a, I have a, an opinion about that, but I, I want to let my colleagues talk about it first, and then I want to come back and just say what I think about that. But I'm curious what you both think. Um, maybe start with Mensa. What, what's your opinion on that? Um, so the load management conversation is hard to have personally because it gets a bit game gamesmanshipy and can get a little murky and ultimately in my opinion has diluted the regular season basketball product we are as it started i think with the san antonio spurs literally resting four starters on a national television game against the miami heat and that started the conversation of what load management is doing. Like, I think, I think honestly, load management as a term did not exist before then. I think it started with Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, so I'll, to cut you off, load the term load management started with LeBron. I'm 90% sure of that because he missed the game and it was literally listed as load management. But to your point, the concept of the concept of load management started with that, uh, Spurs team against a nationally televised game against Miami. And it wasn't that they missed the game is that Popovich said, don't even bother getting on the flight, just stay home. And that's when the whole thing started. Yeah. So it load management presents a problem when you, when you, from a, uh, for the love of the game standpoint, as far as diluting the regular season product. Um, and we know because this is a capitalist society, we will never have less than 82 games. If anything, they will add basketball games. And they have added basketball games to the schedule in the form of the play-in tournament. Those are added games. Um, it's For me, it's, it's, it's a sore spot because I do agree that your best players, at least if you're going to load manage, load manage at home. You know, like, like, and I don't know, like, but th- that's a different part of the conversation as far as like, how do you protect fans from load management? But when it comes to having your players healthiest during the games that matter the most, I'm looking at the Western Conference and I know absolutely nobody wants to see the Clippers. I know absolutely nobody wants to see the Lakers right now. And those are teams that load manage their two stars. LeBron was a little less healthy. Let's be honest. Anthony Davis, a little less healthy, but with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that was absolutely load management. And now they are, I believe in position for the four seed. They have a very tough matchup against the Suns. Don't get me wrong, but nobody wants to see them. Nobody. Because when Kawhi is right, he's my goodness. 
to me, when Kawhi is right, it's you, he's on. Never mind. I'm not going to get into a hot take, but he's very, 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 very good. That's what I will say. That's probably he's only played 47 games this season, by the way. There you go. Only that's a little over half the season and nobody wants to see them as it pertains to the Knicks. If you told me, if you could guarantee me that the Knicks would be playing at their nine game winning streak level. Oh, I'd take that. I'd take that. But I cannot be guaranteed that I'm going to get those Knicks, not only because Josh Hart is playing out of his mind. I don't know when that's going to stop, but because we have a hobble Jalen Brunson. We have a Julius Randle that just, you could say it's a freak accident. I would hear that argument. You could say that maybe he should have rested. I would not hear that argument because we were playing the Miami Heat and I hate the Miami Heat. But the concept of load management, I think, is an important one. I think that the Knicks, under this coach, will never load manage. And that may or may not end up being his downfall, depending on what star this team ends up attracting. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's a it's a hard, hard, hard conversation to have. And I don't think that it's one for Twitter, especially. I think this is I think it's a conversation that needs to happen even above the podcasting level. It's like a panel kind of, you know, like a like a seminar kind of conversation. So that's kind of where I like leave it because I don't I try not to speak to things that I understand are above my depth. Um, but I will say from the fan perspective, it's conflicting because I want to see my guys every night, but I also want to beat the shit out of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. And I don't know how possible that is because our guys played the entire season and they look very, very, very tired. It's It's been really bad these past couple games. So for me, the whole load management conversation, um, and I'm actually been trying to confirm who started the load management term is whether it's the Spurs or LeBron, but I think it's LeBron, but whatever. The truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Like, like the Stan Van Gundy quote grinds my gears because, like, you say, like, yeah, guys, and no one did load management in the 90s. Yeah. And guess what? When someone, someone tore the ACL, we're just like, eh, oh, stinks for him. And we didn't think, like, hmm, why didn't maybe he was tired? Like, I, I remember, I remember when Kristaps Porzingis tore his ACL. And I remember, for about a week and a half leading up to it, he was say like in, in interviews, he would say like, I've never felt this tired as I've ever felt. And when now, and I, because it's funny, actually, and I had a little back and forth during the playback yesterday. And what I will say is that like, when you're tired and you jump, you don't always land properly. And that can cause stress on soft tissue, hamstrings, ACLs, Achilles, whatever, right? So when he tore his ACL, after being devastated, I just kept remembering, like, this dude basically said he was tired for a week and a half. And Jeff Hornacek just was like, eh. But then again, I'm not surprised. Jeff Hornacek played, played in the 90s. No one rested. You just went until you couldn't go anymore. Jeff Hornacek um, literally told... Willie Hernan Gomez to tell Chris Porzingis to stop being a pussy. That happened. So I more evidence to your side. Yes. With that being said, there it like what XJ said is correct that if you play 80 games, you'll be more likely to get injured by playing 60 than you by playing 60. But every player is different. 
And some guys can handle 80 games and some guys can handle 60. We don't know. We cannot look at all 450 players and figure out which ones can, which ones can't. I think some of them we can. Like there's a guy in LA who wears number three. I don't think he should play 82 games, right? But guess what? We got to do his bones. His bones don't agree either. <laughs> and we got a guy in New York that it was number 30 that play that would play 82 games unless otherwise noted. Um, I think for me, it's just like common sense. Like, like I remember Popovich again, who, who, who he is the godfather of this. Like for him, it was, it wasn't about games. It was about minutes. Cause if you play, for example, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think has played like I remember when he got selected for the All-Star game he's played like he played like 800 less minutes than like Anthony Davis or something like that right and it was like yeah, he's played all these games but he's playing 28 minutes a game Um, the 2014 Spurs who won a championship no one averaged more than 29 minutes a game so you can play 77 games if you play 29 minutes but it's when you're playing 38 minutes a game that for 80 games, that's a problem. And for me, it's common sense. Like if I can see guys are winded, if I can see now guys are going under screens, screens instead of fighting over them, if guys aren't rotating as much as they used to, if guys aren't closing out as much as they as, as easy as they used to in November, December, that is a thing. Uh, I actually remember watching the game yesterday and watching Julius and Julius just looked disengaged. And I remember saying during the playback, I said, part of me feels like, and and and, and we were watching, you know, them like the first couple of plays, like, okay, let's just have uh, RJ in the post against Gabe Vincent. And, and I said, part of me feels like this is Thibodeau's way of saying like, all right, here's how we'll give you rest. We'll just let you stand over here while RJ does this thing, carries the load. And I'm just like, bro, like, Listen, load management, load management, this 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 discussion will last forever um, or until well, not forever, but for a long time across the league. In terms of the Knicks, load manager has to be an organizational decision. And if your goal is to win the championship and your goal is to get to the finish, get to the finish line of the regular season with as many healthy people as possible, you president of basketball operations, you general manager have to say like, Hey, head coach. And this is not just a typical thing. This is, there's plenty of coaches that agree with him. Hey, we're taking the decision out of your hands. This guy is not going to play. Now, if you're doing it because you want to make sure they're fresh for the playoffs, that's one thing. If you're doing it because you want more ping pong balls, that's another discussion for another day. And we're not going to go down that road, but I think it is. To quote um, a famous rapper from Chicago, you ain't got the answers. Like, no one has the answers. However, the idea that, like, it shouldn't be considered, like, we shouldn't not consider it at all. I don't know if that is a, uh, I, I don't know if that's a decision that, um, that I don't know if that's that's the, the hill that a, a team should die on. And the last thing I will say is that um, for other te- teams, for our the other teams in the league um, load management exists for every other arena, except for Madison square garden. Thank you very much. (laughs) So I, I mean, I largely agree with what a lot of you both said. Um, I'm going to come back around and give my opinion on 
what the Knicks have done. So, so in my opinion, basically in this case, I don't think the Knicks are doing the wrong thing by not engaging in load management like some other teams. So when I first brought up the topic, you know, I, I said that the, the Knicks resistance to load management is not the ideal approach if their primary goal is to have postseason success. I don't think that was their primary goal this season. Um, the reality is that, yes, we would have a better chance to beat the Cavs in the postseason if we were fully healthy. That's true. We also would probably not be playing the Cavs if we load managed throughout the season. <laughs> um, we, t- we, we always talk about the shift to the nine-man rotation as basically you know, correlating that with the Knicks' um, trajectory and improvement and overall success. But the shift to the nine-man rotation really just amounted to p- playing our better players more minutes and our players who were not as good fewer minutes. <laughs> You know, and 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 one of the competitive advantages that the Knicks have had this season is that their best guys are on the court a lot more than the other team's best guys are on the court. <laughs> um, and there's also like a that's also kind of like a like a reverse opportunity cost because they also don't have their worst players on the court, but other teams do. So for the Knicks this year, the truth is really that the regular season was more important than the postseason will be. Um, so so I just think they made the right decision because even if we lose in the first round, this is this season was a success. Now, moving forward with the improvement that we'll see from these players and whatever additions they bring in, maybe the postseason will take more, uh, take on more importance. So the expectations will be ramped up. It's going to be about winning in the postseason, advancing to the second round, advancing to the Eastern conference finals at that point, then they should start to load manage more because you need to have guys fresh. You can't have guys who are on their last legs rolling into the first round of the playoffs. And it's better to just be a worse seed. Maybe they'll be good enough. And we all hope this. Maybe they'll be good enough that even if they load manage and don't play their main guys uh, a million minutes, maybe they'll still be good enough to be a fourth seed. A fourth seed that has a bullet on it when they make it to the playoffs because they're going to have all their guys fresh. They're going to be ready to go. And we're not, we will have not seen their best product during the regular season, but we will see it in the postseason. And the last thing, even on that note, and, and I think both of you kind of touched on this, especially I, I know Mensa mentioned something about this. Many of the same people who don't like load management, I think also contribute to its prevalence because there are a lot of people who diminish the importance of the regular season. Like, for example, when they say, oh, you know, the MVP award shouldn't be purely a regular season award. Uh, uh, you know, postseason success should be counted. That should be relevant to whether you win MVP or not. And then you say in the same breath, you should play every single game in the regular season. <laughs> so is the regular season important and they should play every game or should they rest the regular season and focus on what matters, which these people uh, say that this is what matters. The postseason is what matters. Championships, rings, that's what matters. You can't have both. You can't have both because it'll always make sense to save up for the thing that matters more. So either the regular season matters and we care about that and we care about guys who play a lot of games in the regular season and we we reward it. Hey, you're the MVP of the regular season because that meant something. Or, yeah, we don't really care about the regular season. That's cool. You were great during the regular season, but you haven't won championships. Okay, then we don't care about the regular season. Load manage take 20 games off, rest yourself, get ready for the time when it actually matters. And that's what, that's what we care about as, as basketball fans. So we have to, we have to understand that if we're just propping up postseason success as above everything that trumps all, then we are contributing to 
the incentives being aligned to load manage during the regular season. So that's the last thing I wanted to say about it. I'll say one other thing. Um, you brought you brought up a good point, X Shade, that like the part of the su- success is part of our success is that we've had our best players on the court more than other teams have their best players. Um, where I think the little the little adjustment we need to make is is our not as good players are often better than the other teams, not as good players. Yeah, for sure. And those guys could play more. So, for example, Obadiah Toppin Jr. has played 893 minutes this year. I will put this in for the Knicks. Let me put this in perspective. Cam Reddish has played 437 minutes this year. And Cam Reddish has not played a game for the New York Knicks since December 3rd, 2022. Think about that. So the adjustment we have to make, and especially now if Julius out, listen, like to to quote uh to quote Eric Spolster, we have enough. But we have to make use. We have to make uses of that. Like we have enough, but the enough can't be. All right, Josh Hart, who was playing thirty minutes a game for us, is now going to play thirty nine. So that's just one example I want to give. So, um, I anything else? I think we're good. I think we're done here. Anything else? Anything else on, on your mind, guys? As far as load management goes, no, I'm good. I think we said all we needed to say. Yeah, I think I think we said what we needed to say. And I think we just uh, I think that we were able to and at least I felt like I was able to hammer home the point that load management becomes a tension and a trade off between the regular season and the playoffs. It's a symptom. um, It's absolutely a symptom. And um, and I think that's probably a good a good segue to our, 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 our last topic, which is about the future of the New York Knicks coming up in just two weeks. Um. We're moving playoffs. into play. <laughs> playoffs. What do you mean playoffs? <laughs> we are moving into playoffs? playoff time. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, we're all super, super hyped about it. Um, I, you know, I can, I can get get it started on the on this topic. Um, of course, like we talked about to begin to kick off Casual Friday. Uh, the big news is Randall probably won't be available to start the postseason. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. That's probably going to be. It could be he could be reevaluated the day before game one of the first round. Um, so that can be either emotionally uplifting or draining. We'll we'll see, depending on how the rest of this regular season goes. Um, the loss of Randall, my initial reaction, my instant reaction is obviously that's gonna put a huge burden on Jalen Brunson. Um, I think they're gonna be forced to play a less ISO heavy style. Um, you know, and while I'm obviously horribly upset about Randall's injury. I am glad that it happened. If it had to happen with a little bit of time left in the regular season for the team to kind of work things out and see how things are going to look. Um, the, 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 the big thing for me is that Randall, while definitely having an all-star season and all NBA campaign, unbelievable season, the best season of his career. Um, one of the best, one of the greatest, offensive Knicks seasons of all time comparable to some some even some Carmelo Anthony offensive seasons like I can't heap enough accolades on the level that Julius has played um the thing is that 
at least per cleaning the glass, the Knicks are 7.9 points worse on defense uh, when, uh, when Julius is on the court. And that is the fifth percentile in the NBA. That is absolutely atrocious. atrocious. Um, they, their defense gives up 3.6 percentage points in effective field goal percentage more um, or, or worse performing when Julius is on the court. That is the sixth percentile in the NBA. Um, and without Julius on the court, the Knicks defense uh, gives up 109.1 points per possession. Again, this is Perkley in the glass, which is the 94th percentile in the NBA. So they become, uh, I, I don't know what their ranking is defensively off the top of my head. I don't remember, but they go from wherever they are in the bottom, you know, definitely in the bottom half of the NBA to like right near the top, like a top five defense essentially without Julius Randle. So obviously he's going to be missed. He is the offensive focal point and an engine. Um, but I don't think this means the Knicks are done. <laughs> and I don't know if people, if people believe that, if people think, you know, Randall's, if Randall's not in the first round, we're done. It's a wrap. I don't think so. I think the Knicks can change their style. I think we can see a more ball movement, heavy style of offense from, uh, you know, an ISO heavy offense that is dead last in assist percentage. And even after the all-star break is only like third to last in assist percentage. So they haven't really changed that much, but you know, we were seeing a very tired Randall. Hopefully he gets well soon and he comes back refreshed. If not, I think we still have a chance moving forward. I think the defense is almost undoubtedly will be much improved uh, without Randall on the court. And I think we're going to see some guys step up. I think we're going to see guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, who is hitting his stride, absolutely hitting his stride right now, um, be able to run more pinch post action and be able to be more of a facilitator, like some of the role that he was playing in, in LA and in Denver. Um, we're going to see other guys. Emmanuel quickly has an absolute chance to, <laughs> it's crazy to say this has a chance to potentially command a max contract at some point, maybe not this offseason, not a max extension, but he, he could put himself on a trajectory to command absolute max money because a huge playoff performance from him as a number two guy on a team that's pushing into the second round and, and pushing for an Eastern conference championship or, or final. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a huge performance from quickly is not out of the question. And like we talked about, like we always talk about, especially on the ca- these casual Fridays, three through nine, this is the best team in the NBA. Like it just is three through nine. There's no, I, I mean, I've poured over all every other roster. Nobody's close to the next three through nine. So I don't think we're done. I think we'll, we'll be able to change some things up. I'm glad horribly sad for the injury. I'm glad it's two weeks away from the playoffs. We have some time to work things out and um, I'm still, I'm still cautiously optimistic. You know, I was thinking yesterday, like everyone says that the turning point for the season was them going to the nine man rotation after the Dallas debacle and then beating Cleveland. Um, I actually disagree. I think the turning point of this season was Monday, November 14th at a restaurant in Salt Lake city, Utah and the players only meeting because if one of the biggest tropes that I hear or heard on Twitter in the beginning of the season, which I know what I always felt was theoretically, not theoretically, absolutely untrue, was Tibbs has lost the team. No, 
Tibbs never lost a team. And I know Tibbs never lost a team because that they were facing the worst, the hardest back-to-back in North American sports at Utah, at Denver. And right then and there, they could have said, boys, let's get this dude out of here. And they could have rolled over like dogs, put two, put in two stinker performances and got him out of there. They didn't. They won both of them. And that meeting was called by one Julius Randle. And I now, to be fair, I remember at the time we were all like, dude, why are you calling the meeting? Like, you're, you're the problem here, right? But I said to say, they clearly believe in this guy. Like, whatever he's shoveling, they buy it. That matters going to these playoffs because, to XJ's point, there's going to have to be some changes. And I think for to a man, for the most part, they are they believe in the changes that he's going to make, because there's one thing I've realized about Tom Thibodeau. He is like a wounded wolf, like you have him in the corner and that is when he will attack. So we'll probably see more ball movement. We'll probably see we'll probably see different type of sets. Maybe we'll see more Brunson and, and Obi pick and roll. Like one, th- like it's all there. Like the, the, this is the, like, it's almost like, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see Tom Thibodeau get into his bag these last couple of games. And maybe in the playoffs, we miss Renner for a game or two, not because he wants to, like, he's not like the offensive coordinator in football that just, he's not like Mike Mars that wants to do a whole bunch of cool stuff and whatever, like, but because he has to, um, so I'm, 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 I'm fairly confident that, you know, we, this team will be fine for whatever that means in the playoffs in air quotes. Um, and I'm also prepared for this to be thrown back completely in my face when he does not adjust at all one second and <laughs> he's running, uh, Josh Hart at the four and we, we go out in five. But I believe that there, there's an opportunity for us to do our best work because, as he says, the magic is in the work. Yeah. Um, as far as the playoffs go, um, I am not giving up on the playoffs. But before we even talk about the playoffs, I had a tweet that I put out maybe an hour and some change ago about how Josh Hart, I'm, not, I'm sorry, about how the New York Knicks and the next six weeks of New York Knicks basketball are going to define like (laughs) the conversation around Knicks Twitter for a decade, because we're going to see what the Knicks look like for two weeks without Julius Randle. We're going to have some cupcakes in there. Don't get me wrong. But now second option, RJ is back on the table. Second option quick is back on the, is on the table. Quentin Grimes it's like now we're looking at who is going to step up and then you have people who think that this team is going to falter uh spoiler alert they're not going to fall maybe famous last words but I believe in my guys um um and then as far as as far as just what we can do in the playoffs I think that Cleveland personally was always the perfect matchup for us because we have the guns to stop Donovan Mitchell. We have Josh Hart. We have Quentin Grimes. We have Emmanuel Quickly. We have Miles McBride. For, when it comes to superstars, very rarely do you have four guys on a team 
that are capable of slowing him down. I'm not going to disrespect Donovan Mitchell and say we can stop him because when you are the superstar level of offensive talent that Donovan Mitchell is, nobody can stop you outright. But at the same time, Donovan Mitchell ain't stopping nobody either. So if Jalen Brunson is, is hopefully trending towards as healthy as we've seen him in a while, I like him against Donovan Mitchell. And if you don't like him against Donovan Mitchell, I'd like to remind you of game three of the, I'm sorry, of the Western Conference first round of the playoffs, Utah Jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks, when Jalen Brunson put 41 in a victory against Donovan Mitchell's Utah Jazz without Luka Doncic playing. I like our chances against them with or without Julius Randle. And the one thing is... I'm not necessarily confident about Tom Thibodeau getting away from the ISO heavy stuff. I think that he still can, he's still going to run ISO Brunson. Um, we may end up seeing more, um, more three, five pick and rolls with RJ and Mitchell Robinson. Those are, those have been pretty um, useful. It's just Tom Thibodeau, man. I don't trust him to adjust. <laughs> can we, I don't. Can we talk about the the the, the, the lazy narrative that like oh ISO go luck with the ISO stuff in the playoffs like do you watch playoff basketball? That's all it is is isolations. Like by game four, I know what you're running. You know what I'm running. We know like it's like all right, someone has to go make a play. So yeah, it's all it's, about who has the better player. Yeah, so it's like I feel like that we've literally had 77 games of like all right, <laughs> getting ready to figure out who can make a play. And yes, listen, they will trap, especially with if Jill, Julius is gone, they'll trap Brunson, they'll get the ball out of his hand, they'll do things. But like, can we like that's just narr- that's just a lazy narrative that people. I, like, I'm not with that at all. I, I do want to say I think I mean that has historically been often the case where obviously ISOs go way up in the playoffs. Um, and we're still going to see that that's not going to change, but I do think some of the, the things that could change are where your offensive player gets to choose who they isolate against. Um, so definitely Brunson is going to be trying to run ISOs. Ideally it would be against uh, that starting lineup for, for Cleveland. If we're assuming it's Cleveland, it would be against uh, Donovan. The problem is that I think Cleveland has some tools and some tricks up their sleeve to make sure that it's really Okoro who is guarding Brunson. And in worst case scenario, it's actually Garland who has actually been pretty good. And I, uh, Brunson would roast Garland, but I'm just saying like, I think that they, there's some tools like um, peel switching that we've seen happen um, to ensure that you can't just pick on a guy and just switch them on and, and you can just isolate them. They'll, they'll kind of trap them out. Um, out up high and then rotate out the guy that they don't want to be that the guy getting ISOed. Um, so they, you know, the Knicks do some of that peel switching as well. And even like pre rotating or pre switching that they can do to make sure that the guy who's involved in the screen action is not the guy that we, Brunson wants to pick on. So I don't think it's going to be as easy. Like it's definitely going to be heavy ISO ball. It's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be like easy to just be like, Hey, Brunson, let's just do Brunson versus Mitchell and just roast them all day. I like, I, I think it's going to be more challenging than that. Um, and the last thing I want to say about the playoffs and these New York Knicks is our fifth ranked offense is based around one skill that is likely to go away in the playoffs. And that's offensive rebounding. It's not likely that teams are going to give you two and three chances in the playoffs, especially a team like Cleveland that has Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in the paint. Um, Essentially they're starting two centers. 
it's tough for me to look. I think that we, I think we match up great against Cleveland. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want us riding high on this fifth ranked offense because it is the fifth ranked offense in the regular season and regular season basketball is different from postseason basketball. We have to honor that. We have to recognize that. And we have to have conversations around what historically works in the playoffs. What works in the playoffs is my guy is better than your guy. And I know that because he makes his shot on the first try. That is very important in playoff basketball. And that worries me a little bit with the Knicks. That is the only thing that I'm worried about. I don't believe that this is the 18th ranked defense in the NBA. I think they're better than that. I think they've gotten a little lazy because of um, not lazy. I think they've, they've fallen back because of just they're getting tired and it's, it's hard to keep up that intensity for 18, I'm sorry, 82 games. But I think the defense will show up in the playoffs. It's the offense I'm worried about. And I think that I think we couldn't have a conversation about the playoffs without talking about the offensive rebounding, because that has been the New York Knicks identity on offense. And it's going to be tough to do that against against a team in a seven game series, because you're going to beat them game one or game two. You're going to destroy them on the glass. And then Bickerstaff is going to look his guys in the face and say, listen, we cannot let these guys out rebound us. By double digits, we have to attack the glass. And that's when you start seeing teams crash the glass and give up fast break points. Playoff tempo slows down. It's important. It is very, very important. The Knicks find ways to get easy baskets going forward. And I think we'll and I think we'll start to see the walls crack a little bit in the playoffs. I still think we can beat Cleveland, but I think that's going to get exposed. And I'll say this, um, since Tibbs went to the nine man rotation on December 4th, uh, the Knicks have they're tied for 10th in defensive rating with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So and uh, listen, I've said it. John Macri said it. Listen, Tom Thibodeau, if you should have a top 10 defense with Tom Thibodeau as your coach. And since he got the guys, since he got the rotation you wanted with a healthy Mitch, with a healthy Grimes and certain people out of the rotation, um, they're top 10. So to your point, we'll take a step back offensively. So will they um, defensively things step up that will take a step up defensively. So will they, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, so last thing I was going to say on that is, yeah, especially with the Randall off the court, this is probably, I, I believe, and we'll see if that's true. Um, this is probably an elite defense in the NBA. So it, it's tough to have a top ranked defense. If your two best players who are getting the most minutes are Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall. One guy's um, a traffic cone. The other guy plays popcorn defense. Exactly. So it, it, it's just tough to have like a top 10 defense when those are your two main guys who are just out there constantly. Um, so with Randall off the court, I think we'll, we'll see a better defense, but to Mensa's point, we're now going against what has been the top defense in the NBA the entire season, essentially, or at least for the bulk of it. So defensive struggle is going to be tough, but I think that, I think there's hope. I think there's hope. All right. And with that, that is it for casual Friday. Shout out to XJ, shout out to Mensa, shout out to GMAC, shout out to APJP behind the scenes on the ones and twos. Um, So listen, if you like what you heard and you are not a subscriber, Make sure you subscribe to Next Film School on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you choose. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a five-star review. It really helps us as we 
shoot up the rankings to become ultimately the number one podcast basketball podcast in the United States of America and hopefully the world. And if it's less than five stars, do me a favor, just keep it to yourself. Um, Coming up this week, we have me and Chris Persian will do study hall probably on Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. So check us out for that. Um, John and Jeremy will be back next week for another podcast. Uh, Andrew will be doing, hopefully when he gets his voice back, he'll be doing more pre-games. Um, something tells me we're going to have a lot of pre-games with the Cleveland Cavaliers upcoming. Um and please check out Benji stuff at Rit Holtzman on Twitter. Him and DJ Zulo and DJ Zulo, Ace underscore Zulo. Um, hat, no, D, is, wait a minute. Is it DJ underscore you Zulo? It, you had it right. I think it's Ace underscore Zulo. Ace underscore Zulo. Amazing film breakdowns. Check out Dream of Chris Persianen. He just released episode three or four, I believe, or if it included on Tuesday, which included his um, big, which included his top to, which included his big board. So check that out. And I, and if you're not a patron, please subscribe. Well, I'm not going to beg you, but you should be a patron, especially if you listen <laughs> to this show. Uh, listen, you can get in for at least seven dollars a month, and that seven dollars a month will get you access to an extra podcast a week all the newsletters and access to our playbacks where you can see me and XJ argue about load management in real time. Uh, it's worth it's it. It's worth it guys. And, As I curse and scream things in Spanish. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful and, content guys. And you can hear me make fun of our patrons who have the audacity to try to shave me because I bet on that two three pointers to be made in the first three minutes of game. Hey, I like money. So, for these fine gentlemen, I'm Sean for W. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Knicks Nation, let's ride.